the new name of the elegant white colonial era guest house hari nivas had embedded itself in the imagination of every auto rickshaw and taxi driver in srinagar papa 2 code for prison number 2 smelt of stale urine vomit blood and fear it housed men who were soon to be killed or for whom death would be deliverance long hours of beatings legs crushed under heavy rollers red chilies shoved up the rectum electric shocks immersion in freezing water papa 2 was a factory set up to produce confessions even imaginary ones fables tales fantasies lies would do just had to be a confession early one morning in april 1993 teenage student masroof sultan got on the bus from batmalu headed to shri pratap college where he studied together with hundreds of other men he was instead held in the course of what used to be called a crackdown the detention of entire neighborhoods to identify terrorism suspects three other young men along with masroof were held for special attention someone thought they were militants Following days of torture which included electric shocks to his feet and genitals the men were taken to a bridge near Rambag and shot at point blank range three died amazingly masroof with bullets through his legs and neck survived to tell us the story earlier kashmir expert manoj joshi has written border security force assistant commandant samsher singh had been killed along with nayak md dat and lance nayak's kb gupta and rameshwar dayal when a mine went off under their jeep on a batmalu street the perpetrators were never found so the bsf for someone in it decided to deliver vengeance to the neighborhood itself the videotape torture of villagers from the small mountain hamlet of topapir three of whom ended up tossed on the roadside after being beaten to death inside the 48 rashtriya rifles camp at dera ki gali shows the grim reality of old kashmir still lives four soldiers had been killed days earlier part of a string of sophisticated ambushes since 2021 by highly trained jihadists who have claimed the lives of dozens of soldiers without a single perpetrator ever being located arrested or killed even as the torture video tapes circulated from whatsapp from phone to phone likely government officials believe at the behest of local rashtriya rifles commanders who thought this would serve to terrorize the community new delhi acted in unprecedented ways brigadier p acharya on leave on the day of the killing was moved to 16 core headquarters in udhampur while a court of inquiry into his potential vicarious responsibility is held three other officers including a lieutenant colonel and a colonel are also subjected to investigation government sources have told the print the police have filed a first information report on the murders while fir's aren't unprecedented this is a completely new level of action against senior army officials this isn't the first time extrajudicial killings by the military which have become pretty rare since the savagery of the 1990s are being investigated Four laborers, all Hindus, were murdered by personnel of the 18 Rashtriya Rifles in 2006. A whistleblower alleged, but that investigation went nowhere, and the whistleblower, Captain Samit Kohli, 
ended up dying by suicide under controversial circumstances. Even credible evidence that multiple military units participated in the killings of laborers passed off as terrorists, which emerged in 2007, was hushed up. From the last decade though, things began to change. A consequence possibly of the decline of violence in Jammu and Kashmir itself. A military court awarded the 62 Rashtriya Rifles Captain Bhupinder Singh a life sentence for killing three migrant workers in 2020 and passing them off as terrorists. In that case, 15 Corps Commander Lieutenant General B.S. Raju is understood to have insisted he simply would not tolerate criminal behaviour by personnel under his command. The sentence has been stayed pending appeal. The Rajori killings mark just the second case since 2020 and the first ever where action has been immediately taken against high-ranking officers. There is no clarity on exactly what transpired. Both Nadan Army Commander Lieutenant General Upendra Dwivedi and Director General of Police R.R. Swain were in the area when the torture and killings took place. But the government has shown it is determined to break with the past and get to the truth. Army officers have long claimed this kind of action will degrade morale. The claim stands the truth on its head. Extrajudicial killing, whether it's driven by impotence to detect the real perpetrators or greed for rewards and medals, only insults the vast bulk of honorable, hard-working soldiers who see people adroit at politics or telling lies move up the ladder, not because of merit, but because of, of complicity at the level of senior officers. Ending military impunity, though, is just one part of the question. The killings at Topapir also raise hard issues about the competence and military tactics of the units in the region and the quality of intelligence. Government sources say the troops were engaged in a cordon and search operation in the Bufflias forests, sparked off by the detection of a satellite phone becoming active in the area. Four soldiers, including two captains, were killed after being similarly lured into an ambush last year, very close to the same area. Local Gujar residents had earlier played a critical role in military operations against the Lashkar-e-Taiba and other jihadists in the Pir Panjal mountains. Before 2003, the Gujars had set up special militia to fight terrorism. In recent years though, the scheduled tribe Gujar Bakarwal community has become deeply alienated because the government decided to extend reservations to Pahadis who are made up of both upper caste Hind Muslims and Hindus. Frustrated rank-and-file soldiers operating without high-grade local information have increasingly turned their wrath on Gujar Bakarwals for failing to provide them with the kind of intelligence they'd like to have. In the Topapir case, intelligence sources have told the print, local soldiers were erroneously informed that a wedding feast in the village was a special dinner held for visiting terrorists. This vicious rumour fueled the soldiers' rage. The attacks on the army along the Pir Panjal, interestingly, seem designed to send a message rather than cause indiscriminate harm. For all the talk of a rise in violence in Kashmir, data from the independent South Asia terrorism portal suggests this isn't the reality. Killings of civilians are lower this year than in 2022, and deaths of security force personnel are only marginally higher. 
In general, levels of violence from 2019, when Kashmir's special constitutional status was revoked, have been similar, slightly lower, slightly higher, but similar to previous years. There are no high-profile fidain attacks or bombings. Even though little hard evidence exists to make the case, some intelligence personnel speculate that the skilled ambushes on the Pir Panjal are being carried out by Pakistan Army Special Forces trained personnel to make the point that the country is still willing to raise the stakes in Kashmir if needed. India is also rumoured to be running cross-border assassination attacks, as you have read, another possible motivation for carrying out retaliatory ambushes targeting the army. Whatever the motivations, and the reality is we just don't know, the Indian security establishment's failure to locate perpetrators speaks ill of its capabilities should violence directed by Pakistan escalate in coming months and years. Torturing and killing civilians won't solve the problem and alienates even pro-India constituencies like the Gujar Bakarwal. The use of torture and counterinsurgency, of course, isn't unique to the Indian Army. British and Australian soldiers in Afghanistan, as well as Americans in Iraq, have only in recent months been found guilty of far worse war crimes. But Indian soldiers aren't fighting in a foreign country. The indiscriminate savage use of torture in Papa II, an industrial-scale version of many contemporary Indian police stations, even earned it a kind of international reputation, if that's the right word, and not just among human rights organizations. The special punishment section at the notorious United States-run Guantanamo Bay was nicknamed the India Block by the prisoners. Like the colonial masters who taught them, Indian police and security forces have used terror and pain as tools to coerce societies into submission, not to establish the primacy of the criminal justice system. Even if film versions of torture in custody show muscular police officers dragging the truth out of terrorists, that's really the reality. The indiscriminate use of violence in the 1990s, running from beating entire neighborhoods to firing on peaceful processions and burning down bazaars, did not terrorize Kashmiri civilians or yield any significant intelligence. Their only outcome was to leave a legacy of hatred and resentment were only just starting to overcome. The government's decision to hold officers accountable for crimes against civilians is a courageous step in the right direction, which will set new standards for India's police and military. The challenge now is to use the opportunity to also build a competent and accountable security system that can deal with crises still to come. I'm Praveen Swami and I'm a contributing editor to The Print.